You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. What a performance by Eduardo Escobar. Just when you count out the 2022 Mets, they find a way to answer the call and it was Eduardo Escobar that brought them back from the brink. Five late RBIs to take this team over the top and walk it off against the Miami Marlins in the first segment. We're going to talk about that game. The second segment, give Eduardo Escobar's flowers for what has just been a sensational September. Then to close out the show, let's thank the Washington Nationals who played a great game themselves to beat the Braves to give the Mets a one-game lead heading into this pivotal series in Atlanta. Before we get to any of that, though, I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on Twitter, at FinkelsteinRyan. You can also find some of my writing at JustBaseball.com, where I work as the managing editor. What a night for the New York Mets. Early on in their game against the Marlins, it felt like the season was coming to an end uh, to a certain extent. What I mean by that is, you just have watched this team and there's been all of these performances against sub 500 teams that have just left you wondering what's going on in September. Why are they coming up short? They should have this division in the bag and there's still a lot of games left to play here. You still got a big series against the Braves, another against the Nationals. Anything can happen, but you just haven't seen the never say die Mets lately. And it was a lifeless effort early on in this game. Uh, you know, Taiwan Walker gives up a two-run homer uh, to Brian De La Cruz on uh, just a terrible pitch. I mean, he was doing nothing with his splitter uh, in that at-bat. And the fact that they went fastball uh, to De La Cruz there, gave him something he could hit, ended up being right out over the heart of the plate, and he put one in the seats. You're sitting there, you're like, okay, here you go again, 2 nothing. Mets are down. And the way the offense has looked – and especially against Jesus Lazardo tonight, it just didn't seem like anything was going to give. Uh, you know, Taiwan, they send him back out there for the sixth inning, a decision that I really didn't like because he barely made it out of that fifth inning, immediately walks the first batter, gives up a double once again to De La Cruz before Seth Lugo comes into the game to try to bail him out. He gives up a sack fly. So it's 3 nothing Marlins. They score another run in the seventh, and you're just thinking – here we go again. The Mets are going to lose. And at the same time, if you're watching the Braves game as I was, you know, they're all game trailing to the Nationals 2-1. Josiah Gray has a great performance and they tie it. So they're thinking, all right, well, the Braves are going to win. The Mets are going to lose. They're going to be trailing by a game going into this big series. But Eduardo Escobar had other ideas. The performance that he just put together, I saw Matt Musico, who I used to work with the Mets, Mariah's tweet this out, and I agree with them wholeheartedly. Uh, I even said this, I think, uh, on a previous podcast where I just talked about how if he has a great September, he was worth the contract. And I think Musico just said in that game or in this month, he has been worth the contract. I think he's been worth the entire $20 million that 
he got paid just from this game, considering the circumstances and the way he put the team on his back to just rally. And, and you know, there were so many at bats tonight. We were watching guys you know, just take strike three, keep the bat on their shoulder. They just weren't aggressive. And Eduardo Escobar just has a mammoth swing to put one uh, you know, into that left field corner. And, and we've seen so many home runs hit out that way. I think of the Todd Frazier home run, uh, you know, Wilmer Flores, so many big home runs. Something about left field in City Field is just the, the sign of a little bit of magic. And when he hit that home run, the Mets suddenly had a chance, but there was still a lot of baseball left. And you get to the eighth inning and once again, it felt like the Mets were going to waste an opportunity. The Marlins were handing them base runners. Tanner Scott comes on. He walks Nimmo. He walks Pete Alonzo. Francisco Lindor flew out, but then he walks Montana. So the bases are juiced. Uh, they go in the pen. They get Richard Blyer, famous for the balks of the night prior. And Jeff McNeil pops out. So you're thinking, all right, two outs, bases loaded. Are the Mets going to come up short again? But luckily, they had the right guy at the plate because Eduardo Escobar steps up, finds a hole the other way, hits a, a, a ground ball through it, and ties the ball game. And at that point, suddenly, you're really starting to believe in this Mets team again. And, uh, you know, they, they end up sending it to extras. Uh, and on the ninth inning, they had their opportunity. Tomas Nito doubled. Brandon Nimmo drew a walk, both of that happening with one out. Pete Alonso struck out, Lindor grounded out. So you had to go to the bottom half, or had to go to the 10th. And luckily for the Mets, the bullpen held up big time in this game. Once you got beyond Taiwan Walker, you know, Seth Lugo did give up a run of his own. So not a perfect night for him, but he gave them two innings. Adam Adovino, uh, you know, one, two, three inning, two strikeouts. Edwin Diaz strikes out the side in a perfect inning. But Drew Smith really stepped up as well. I was wondering, are they going to throw Edwin back out there? Have him pitch two innings, but then do you potentially burn him? Do you really want him to, to go into that series against the Braves coming off a, a two-inning appearance? I, I thought it was pretty courageous of Buck Showalter to go to Drew Smith in that spot because Drew Smith has not thrown the ball well coming off the injured list. And, and boy, did he do a great job getting a couple big strikeouts, stranding the ghost runner. And that brought us to that 10th inning. And uh, once again, for Eduardo Escobar to be the guy three times in one night, you just don't see that often. And uh, it was just such a sensational performance. I would say that was the best game any man has had all season. I know Pete Alonso has had some five RBI games. There's been other guys who have stepped up big time. Uh, but this was a must win for the Mets, in my opinion, because even if things were status quo, because uh, you know the Braves lost to the Nationals, I want to talk about that game in this final segment because I watch uh, pretty much every pitch of that one as well. But even with the fact that the pressure was off a little bit because the, the Nats had already walked off the Braves, so you knew you weren't going to go into this upcoming series trailing. To have been swept by the Marlins leading into that series it just would have left a really bad taste in your mouth before you got have an off day on Thursday. And then who knows what the weather is going to have in store for us this weekend. It is looking better. Uh, it is looking like Friday is a pretty good possibility to get a game in. And who knows, maybe even Saturday and Sunday things remain uh, you know, unchanged. They could just play a normal series considering the way the hurricane's tracking. But 
if you had to go into that series having lost two to the Marlins and then maybe you don't even play until Saturday or Sunday, uh, it just could have been a, a really bad um, you know, swing of momentum for the Mets. And you're now able to take that in the other direction. You walk off the Marlins. You're feeling great. The Braves lose one. And once again, here the Mets are, one game up in this division. They found a way all year long to hold on to this division lead, and now you have a little bit more confidence that they can do that uh, to close out this season. But Eduardo Escobar deserves a whole segment for the month he is, has had, and I'll get to that in just a minute. But first, the summer's winding down. The nights are getting longer, but the breeze isn't the only thing that's getting stiff. That's right. This episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Guys, we all know that confidence can take you far in life. That's especially true in the bedroom, especially when it's time to step up to the plate. And that's where Blue Chew comes in. It is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical professionals, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online. So no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet package. With Blue Chew, men everywhere are excited to see the postman because when your package has arrived, your package has arrived. So if you can benefit from some extra confidence when it's time to perform, chew it and do it. We've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew for free. We use our promo code locked on at checkout. Just pay the $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com. Promo code locked on to receive your first month for free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. We thank Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. On July 1st, Eduardo Escobar hit his seventh home run of the season. At the time, I tweeted out, all I want out of Escobar this season is 15 more of these. So I wanted 22 home runs out of Eduardo Escobar. Right now, he's sitting at 20. And the way he's swinging the bat, I would not be surprised if he got those two more homers and finished the year with 22. But even if he doesn't, he's earned the contract. I mean, what he's done this month, it's been remarkable. And you look at his month by month of the season, right? April, great. Okay, got on base at a 378 clip, only had the one home run, uh, but at least he was getting on base, had an 805 OPS. Then he had two of the worst months imaginable, okay? You look at his May stats, 212 hitter, 257 on base, 337 slugging, 594 OPS, only had two home runs. June, he had uh, three home runs, hit 207. 218 on base, 378 slugging, 596 OPS. July was somewhat decent for him. I mean, only a 220 average, 245 on base, but he did hit six home runs, started to at least give the Mets the power that they wanted when they signed him. You get to August, doesn't play too much, got hurt, uh, you know, 176 average, 222 on base, 235 slugging. But now what he's done in September has just erased everything before that. At one point after the game when he was struggling, he said, I'm going to give the Mets fans something to cheer about at some point this year. And he's done that in spades this month. Uh, you know, 330 average, 379 on base, 638 slugging, OPS, over 1,000, eight home runs, 24 RBIs. Just carrying them 
at different points. And, and this game, it, it is just the greatest example of that five RBIs hit the home run three for five. It's, it's been a remarkable turnaround. I can't think of another Met that's had this type of uh, a turnaround from the, the not even just the first half to the second half. I mean, you're talking about really not getting the guy you paid for, for the first, what, four or five months of the season. And then all of a sudden he just turns it on and he's hitting from both sides of the plate all of a sudden. Uh, and as much as I've knocked him all year long, and trust me, I'll own that because you want to go through the numbers again. I mean, he was not playing good baseball for the longest time. And I, I can tell you as much as the eye test at times would tell you he's a decent defender at third, uh, the stats would, would tell a different story. So, you know, here I am trying to look at this team and trying to analyze what we're seeing every day. And I see Louis Guillaume and what he brings defensively. And I was like, look, it makes sense that at the trade deadline, the Mets were trying to set up a platoon at third base where they were letting Guillaume face all the right-handed pitching. And Escobar was going to be limited to the one side of the plate where he was actually swinging it well this year from the right side. But what he's done now, he's an everyday player again, no doubt about it. And I mean, he, outside of, of, you know, Pete Alonzo and, you know, Francisco Lador, Jeff McNeil, I mean, right now, who else do you have more confidence in when they step into the box than Escobar? It's, it's crazy how he has just turned his season on a dime, but it has been so needed. And you know what? That's what you get when you have a veteran player. Uh, as much as, you know, I've been trying to hype up someone like Mark Vientos coming on uh, and, and you want to, see him rise to his potential because he's a guy that could be a really big player for the Mets one day. Uh, this is why you sometimes ride the veterans. And this is why you sign these guys in the off season, why you get a Mark Canna, Eduardo Escobar, Starling Marte, because even though you have a guy like Canna who right now is going through and you're struggling, they still have that track record from the back of their baseball card. They've played enough big league games that at some point, they can figure it out. And Eduardo Escobar did something when he came off that injury list that just locked him in. And I mean, tonight it feels like he saved the Mets season, which again, it's hyperbolic because they're going to make the playoffs no matter what. And you go into a wild card round with Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer, you feel great about your chances to win that wild card round. But also it's a three-game series. And I mean – we saw the Mets get swept by the Cubs, right? So anything can happen in a three-game set. And if you did win that three-game set, your rotations kind of flipped before you had to face the Dodgers. So the importance of winning this division is so paramount. To now be up one game heading into this series, it means everything to the Mets because it really felt like it was going to go in the opposite direction. And that's where we're going to close the show. The Nationals did the Mets a massive solid tonight, uh, walking it off. Just a great game by them. Uh, it really sets the stage for the Mets to have a special weekend out in Atlanta. We'll see what they can do, but uh, I want to applaud the Nats in the next segment. So we'll get to that after a quick word from our sponsors. I'm sure there's a lot of Mets fans out there like me who have been really tuned in uh, to the Atlanta Braves lately, whether it's just scoreboard watching or watching these games. It's 
two games a night now. You got to see what the Mets are doing. You got to see what the Braves are doing. And luckily, I got the two TVs set up in the living room. So I'm watching both. And I got to say, the Nationals just played such an awesome game against the Braves. Josiah Gray. I mean, this is a pitcher that the, the Nats are really clinging on to when it comes to their future. They need him to be good. He came over in the Max Scherzer trade last year. Max Scherzer trade, Turner trade, I should say. Uh, and he was great. I mean, he was commanding his pitches. He allowed just two hits, gave up a homer uh, to Matt Olson. But other than that, it was pretty spotless throughout the night. Two walks, uh, only had two strikeouts, but got his team through six. The bullpen was pretty good uh, for the Nats. But you get to this point where they're winning 2-1. to one. Luke Voigt had a big RBI uh, that gave them a lead in the third inning. And it evaporates in the eighth because you have this play. And again, I really do think that the Nationals played a great game of baseball tonight defensively. I mean, there was guys making diving stops. I was loving that half of my two TV setup for the first, whatever, three hours of the night before Eduardo Escobar became Superman. Uh, You have this eighth inning where Carl Edwards Jr. comes on. He gives up a leadoff double. Uh, Ronald Acuna Jr., uh, 2-0, gets a pitch to hit. Doesn't do anything with it, flies out to right field. Then you have Dansby Swanson hits one. Really good play by the third baseman. He's able to get the lead runner, but Swanson's able to advance during a pickle. So you have Swanson on second. Michael Harris is up. He gets an infield hit, but it was such a good play by the second baseman. Uh, Luis Garcia makes a diving stop in one motion, tries to make the throw. Harris is just too fast. The throw ends up. Uh, being in the dirt, the first baseman, uh, Manessis, he can't field it cleanly. Swanson comes around, tie ball game, and you think, okay, here we go. Braves are going to win it because uh, now that it's tied, the Nationals are, are just so inept offensively, there's no way they're going to score. Well, you fast forward, you go through the eighth, bottom eight, Nats do nothing, ninth inning, neither team scores. A uh, big credit by Kyle Finnegan to come on and pitch a scoreless ninth. 10th inning rolls around, and uh, you know the Nationals find a way to get through it. And once again, it was Finnegan. He pitched two innings, was really solid, and that put us in this situation where you get to simultaneous walk-off opportunities. You have the Nationals, bottom of the 10th. The, the ghost runner advances to third on a bunt, so they're sitting there with the guy 90 feet away. The Mets are trying to score after Nito's double. Pete Alonzo's up. I'm thinking we're going to watch two walk-offs at once, and I'm going to lose my mind. The Mets end up coming up short, but then I got the, the jolt of adrenaline that I never would have thought from the Nationals winning a baseball game as C.J. Abrams gets his third hit of the night, uh, drives one in between the second baseman and the first baseman into the outfield. Nationals win. Big-time performance by them when the Mets needed it most. And now you go into this series against the Braves with a one-game lead in this division. What does that mean here? Well, pretty simple. Win this series, you basically win the division. Because if the Mets win this series, they will be up by two games with the tiebreaker. So all of a sudden, right now their magic number is six, right? All you got to do at that point is, what, win a game against the Nationals? And you're there? So that's where we are at this point. It always was going to come down to this series. And even if the Mets just win one in this upcoming series against the Braves, they take one of three. 
They will own the tiebreaker. The Braves might pick up a game, but then you control your fate against the Nationals. And even though I just complimented the Nationals for playing a great game, I still think that the Marlins are a tougher matchup to close out the season for the Braves because they're going to have to go up against Pablo Lopez, Jesus Lazardo, and Sandy Alcantara. That's a tough trio to beat. So, and look, we just spent uh, you know a couple episodes this week talking about the Mets not being able to beat bad teams. So we can't look at that series against the Nationals and say, hey, the Mets are definitely going to win. But you really want to control your destiny going into that last series. And what tonight did for the Mets is it takes a little bit of the pressure off. You still want to win this series against the Braves because if you do, you're overwhelming favorites to clinch the division when you play the Nats. But by at least winning tonight, all they got to do is make sure they grab one in Atlanta. They would have the tiebreaker and they would exit that series at least even in this division. Now, if they sweep the Braves, magic number six, what does that mean? Well, when the Braves lose, that number goes down. When the Mets win, that number goes down. So if you sweep the Braves, shock the world a little bit, we could be celebrating in Atlanta on Sunday. Uh, I don't want to get too excited and imagine that's going to happen. The Braves are a great baseball team, and it'll be really tough to even win a game uh, in that ballpark. And that's the reason they fought so much tooth and nail uh, over these last couple days when it came to this hurricane to make sure those games were played in Atlanta and the weather appears to have cooperated with them at this point, knock on wood, because you never know with mother nature right now. It's looking like what a 24% chance to rain on Friday, somewhere near 50, 60% chance on Saturday, Sunday, looking pretty clear. We'll see what ends up happening with all the rain. Uh, my dad and I are, are going to be, braving uh, some bad weather probably on the road tomorrow, trying to get as close to Atlanta as we can without driving directly through this storm because we got tickets to all three games. But we're feeling pretty good about where the Mets are after tonight than where we thought they were going to be like two hours ago. And that is how baseball continues to be the best sport and the worst sport at the same time because that swing of emotions can be so drastic. But uh, I got to say – uh, I feel so much better than I did last night and, again, uh, even just 120 minutes ago. What a performance by Eduardo Escobar. Thank you to the Nationals for coming through. Uh, now here it is. Mets first Braves on the show tomorrow, previewing the biggest series of the season. I'll also be putting a bow on the minor league season for a Friday Farm Report. We'll go through some stats, um, some of the big takeaways we can have from the farm system. But, as always, Thank you for listening. Make sure you follow, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Ficklestein Ryan. Follow the show at Locked On Mets. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Now, for your second listen, check out Locked On MLB, hosted by Paul Francis Sullivan. Locked On MLB is where you want to go to stay up to date with everything going on in Major League Baseball. You follow Locked On MLB wherever you get podcasts.